Living uh, well is hard, isn't it? Uh, when you reflect on parenting, that's uh, true, I reckon. Uh, living well is hard. Uh, even actually defining how to live well is difficult. Uh, people have all these different views on what living well is. Uh, a mate of mine works the long hours in the city, uh, and for him, it's all about getting the big bucks. It's career success, it's money, it's respect. Uh, another friend of mine, Pete, he loves cars and beer. Uh, he's a hard worker as well, but, but I think the work is really a means to the, the cars and beer. Uh, there's the athlete, so focused on the event that, that is to come, it's as though they've got blinkers on to all the other things uh, in life. There, there's the overseas traveller always getting ready for the next trip, the, the grey nomad looking for the comfortable uh, retirement, the, the suburban family with the soccer goal and the, the neat and tidy uh, lawn. There's the family that moves to our region for a, for a lifestyle uh, change. There's so many varying views on how to live well. Uh, and it differs not just from person to person in our culture, but from culture to culture, doesn't it? I remember years ago, Jen and I, we visited Tanzania uh, in Africa. And uh, before we went, we were shown how to introduce ourselves in a culturally appropriate way. And it was entirely related to family. I was to say, you know, my name's Jono, I'm married to Jen. And then I was to say how many children and how many grandchildren uh, we have. At the time, we didn't have any kids. And so when Jen introduced herself, uh, someone would quietly come up to her afterwards and rub her tummy and assure her that Bubby Jono was growing inside of her. Uh, on this trip, our Bible college principal was actually with us, and, and he was received really well. Uh, they listened to him, they respected him, perhaps in part because of his education, but mostly it seemed because he just had a whole heap of grandkids. Having a big family in Tanzania was how they considered uh, living well. That's the good life for them. As Sarah said, over the next three weeks, we're spending just a little bit of time looking at the introduction to Proverbs. And this book, Proverbs, it's all about living well. I really love Proverbs. Just listen to this. Chapter 19, verse 24. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He will not even bring it back to his mouth. Yeah, it's a vivid picture of laziness, isn't it? Get your breakfast eaten and just get on with the day, you know. Put the cereal out the night before if you have to. Uh, chapter 26, verse 17 says, Like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel, not their own. Chapter 28, verse 13, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. The Proverbs are designed to be thought-provoking. And you don't have to read the Proverbs for very long to know that we're actually in a very different part of the Bible here. The main concern of most of the Old Testament books, that first part of the Bible, 
uh, the main concern of most of the books in the Old Testament is the relationship between God and his people. We've been doing Genesis. How can this promise-making and promise-keeping God keep his promises given the sinfulness of his people? When it comes to Proverbs, much of this kind of just sits in the background. And what we see is the day-to-day stuff of life. Work, family, sexual relationships, speech. And as Sarah said, Proverbs fits in this category called wisdom literature. And you see in the intro uh, uh, what its purpose is. Verse 2 to 6. Let let me just read there again. Look in your Bible if it's there. What's its purpose? For gaining wisdom and instruction. For understanding words of insight. For receiving instruction in prudent behaviour. Doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. What's its purpose? It's for gaining wisdom, knowledge, insight. Who's it for? It's for everyone, you notice. The, the simple, the young. The already wise, the discerning. Now, we may hear that word wisdom, or at least I hear it, and I'm tending to think book smarts. I don't know if you think that as well. Here we go, we're off to the lecture theatre. But wisdom in this case, shouldn't be, we shouldn't be thinking lecture theatre or, or even the school classroom, but the, the shed out the back or, or wherever it is you happen to get your hands dirty. Wisdom here is not book smarts. It's not just head knowledge. Sometimes the brightest are the most incompetent in life. It's all about living well, living in harmony with what is real, the skill to handle life in all its challenges, all of the ups and downs that we face on a day-to-day basis. I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes we can want to leave our Christianity at the door on a Sunday afternoon as we we walk out of this this building. Or or we might box it up. I've done my quiet time this morning. Uh, That's the Christian bit done with. But Proverbs reminds us that who God is and how he deals with us, it works its way into every corner every room, every aspect of life. And chapters 1 to 9 of Proverbs sets the book up. Uh, These are kind of the introductory chapters that are a guide on how to read the rest of the book. So what is the good life? Our key verse is chapter 1, verse 7. Just look there. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Or in chapter 9, verse 10, where it's, it's developed a little, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now this, this is a bold claim, isn't it, from the book of Proverbs? You want to know the good life, and we all do, do we not? You want to live in, in harmony with, with what is real, Well, then you first 
must fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, claims Proverbs. And it's not the beginning in the sense in which you, 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 know, you start here and you move on to something else. But it's beginning as in foundation. Beginning as in chief thing, principle thing. Now, you and I might not like to talk about fearing God very much. It's not very culturally appropriate, uh, is it? But if you're someone who doesn't live life in reverence to God, in fear of him, I put it to you that you're simply living in fear of all kinds of other things. Perhaps the fear of the future. Perhaps fear of, of what others think of you. Perhaps that fear of missing out or fear that you're not living your best life here and now or fear of harm in some form or another. If your Bible's there, just look at the last verse in chapter 1, verse 33. It says, but whoever listens to me, that is wisdom, but whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. We'd love to be at ease, wouldn't we? We'd love to, to live the good life, to, to, to live in harmony uh, with what is real. And Proverbs claims the fear of the Lord is the foundation. There's uh, that famous line from uh, C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe, uh, some of you will, will have read it, um, and I encourage you to read it. It's a, it's a great book. Uh, the Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, it's really a, a kid's book, um, but the, the characters and the story, uh, it, it teaches truths uh, about the Bible. Um, uh, so the, the kids, they go through this uh, Narnia cupboard uh, into this uh, amazing world. Uh, and in the book, Jesus is represented by this lion called Aslan. Uh, when the beaver, the talking beaver, who is guiding the children and giving them the rundown on this world Narnia, when the lion is mentioned, the, the kids, they ask, they're going to meet him, they ask, is he safe? And the beaver answers, of course not, he's a lion, but he's good. You don't muck around with lions. We don't muck around with God. Is he safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. Uh, one of the things I love to do is stand up paddleboarding just down the front uh, here. and we, we don't often get a very good swell in Bagara. Uh, but when there's a big swell, it can be really scary. Now, I'm drawn to the ocean, as a number of you are, but, but the ocean, it requires a reverence, a respect, doesn't it? You don't muck around out there in the ocean. You don't muck around with God. The Bible is claiming here that a life lived in, in reverence to God, in fear of him, in awe of him, in respect of him, that is the place in which a person is set up for wisdom, for the good life. In Deuteronomy, the, the fifth book in the Bible, chapter 5, verse 29, it says this, and this is God's voice uh, speaking of his people, Oh, that their hearts uh, 
would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commandments always. Why? So that it might go well with them and their children forever. Fearing the Lord is the place to start, the foundation. You want to be wise. You want to live in harmony with what is real. You want the good life. Proverbs says, spend time considering who the God of the Bible is and where you stand before him. Now, I reckon this in Proverbs is actually a wonderful encouragement and challenge. I don't consider myself to be a wise person. Yet Proverbs is saying that I can be. I open up and I turn my attention to these things. And maybe you're someone who's done some dumb things in your life. Well, it's time, isn't it, to to get on with it and develop some wisdom. To open up and listen. Verse 5, look there, let the wise listen and add to their learning. Verse 6, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Verse 20, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. How attentive to wisdom's call are you? Chapter 1, verse 7, you highlight this verse in your Bible. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. And we see back in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, these are the the Proverbs of uh, Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And you may know that the, the wisdom tradition in the Bible is attributed to King Solomon. There was King David and then his son, King Solomon. Uh, And we can read about him in in 1 Kings chapter 4. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. Apparently, he spoke 3,000 proverbs. I don't reckon I'd be good for one. Solomon's wisdom was greater, we read in in 1 Kings 4, than all the people of the East, and greater than, this is a big call, and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. And this wisdom tradition, it it seems to have been passed on to God's greater king who was to come in the future, Jesus. Just listen to this, Isaiah 11, verse 1 to 3, and this should come up on the screen. Uh, A a passage that that points forward to Jesus. Uh, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from the roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. It's an interesting verse, that last one, isn't it? Delighting in the fear of the Lord. It's a wonderful description of Jesus. He was eager to do the will of God the Father. He said in John 4, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Just before Jesus died at the cross, he prays to the Father, Yet not my will but yours be done. 
Jesus shows up in history some 2,000 years ago and he delights in the fear of the Lord, a reverence, a respect, an ordering himself under his Father. It's not an abstract thing. It's seen in the practical. Some of you uh, know or knew Betty Gray. She, she was this older lady who was a part of the, the Bundaberg Presbyterian Church. She passed away a while back now. And I remember Betty speaking about how she came to delight in the fear of the Lord, how she became a follower of Jesus. And so you picture Betty, she's a part of the local church, but not yet a Christian. Turning up to church from time to time doesn't mean you're necessarily a believer. And Betty, she grew up in the days where just absolutely everyone went to Sunday school. And they would sing this song, God is watching all the time, watching, watching. God is watching all the time, watching, watching. I can't remember the the lyrics, but she would say this over and over again. She'd reel them off. And the song was just embedded in her mind as a child and and then even into adulthood. Problem was, Betty knew she didn't live the perfect life. And she knew that there was no hiding it from God. God is watching all the time. I think... The song was actually meant to be a positive thing. You know, God's watching over you. But for Betty, it was a negative. She knew what she was getting up to. And Betty, sitting in church as an adult, and it's the Lord's Supper, you know, the meal in miniature where we we remember that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. We, We eat the bread and juice to remember him, dying the death we deserve. Uh. Betty wouldn't go up and and take the Lord's Supper. You you see, in some sense, Betty knew the fear of the Lord. She understood her sin, uh, her deserving of judgment, but she wouldn't take the Lord's Supper. And a friend sort of noticed and said, what's going on, uh, Betty? Uh, And she, she said, I'm not worthy. And a friend explained, well, that's the whole point. You are not worthy and Jesus takes the penalty we deserve. We approach God on the basis of his sacrificial death. And of course, that was good news for Betty. And she went and took the Lord's Supper and has been telling people about Jesus ever since. Betty had sat in church for years, but it was only here that the penny dropped, so to speak, that she knew the fear of She knew the fear of the Lord, but on that day she knew it in a different way, a a more relational way. It became a delight. See, when you do hand your life to Christ, you begin to delight in the fear of the Lord. You you long to know him more, to to live for him more, to, to enjoy him more wholeheartedly. It begins to get really practical. And so in practice, we're reading the Proverbs, it might look like perhaps your hand is lifted out of the bowl uh, and your sluggard tendencies steadily reduce. Or you let go of the ears of that wild dog and stop rushing into quarrels that aren't your own. You become more transparent 
And instead of hiding in the dark with your sin, you confess your sins to God and you find mercy. It's amazing how broad-ranging it is. To delight in the fear of the Lord, it works its way into every aspect, every corner of life. Work, family, sex, speech, and more. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's a bold claim, isn't it? And so you get out there in the shed or wherever you get your hands dirty and you open up, don't you? Proverbs is 31 chapters, by the way, and I I happen to know a number of the months in the year are 31 days long. So there's a chapter a day. And so we read a chapter a day. We we listen carefully to wisdom as as she calls out to us. The fear of the Lord, the foundation for living well the foundation for the good life. Let's pray. Uh, Our Heavenly Father, we we thank you for the Proverbs and we thank you, Lord, for how thought-provoking they are. But, Lord, that foundation is, is particularly challenging for we are a people who are tempted to live in fear of or in reverence to in reference to all kinds of things other than you. Forgive us, Lord, for living in fear of missing out, in fear of some kind of hurt, in fear of having to live our best life here and now. And we pray that you would reorientate our thinking, that you would help us understand more of who you are and live life wholly in reference to you. Lord, please have us be a people uh, who delight in the fear of the Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' great name. Amen.